What's going on, Bitcoin Accumulation Country? My name is Phil. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 2. Hope everybody's having a great week. I've got a really great interview with Corey Clipston from GiveBitcoin.io. We had a really great chat and uh, totally even went a little bit out there. And uh, I, I kind of teased in uh, in my tweet about the uh, the four Ds of of Bitcoin and uh, and how he may have invented them. But uh, anyways, you guys will see how that rolls out in the conversation. Anyways, without further ado, here is my awesome conversation with Corey Clipston from GiveBitcoin.io. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, I've got somebody that I met on Twitter uh, who started a very interesting project who I think is going to be a major part of helping to onboard, uh, you know, the next many millions of people and really going to help to get people to understand Bitcoin and to hold it properly. I am talking about Mr. Corey Clipston from GiveBitcoin.io. Corey, thank you very much for coming on my show. I really, really appreciate it. No, it's an honor, man. Glad to be here. Very cool. So uh, before we get into Give Bitcoin, uh, I always, uh, you know, for first time guests, I always like to talk about the, the rabbit hole story. And to be perfectly honest, even though you and I go back and forth a lot on Twitter and we're in a lot of the same groups, I, I, I don't know much about your rabbit hole story. So how, how did uh, I guess where do you want to start? You know, like how did you before you got into Bitcoin, you know, where did you come from and how yeah. are we here? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I'll do it this way. Uh, I'll keep it high level. And if something is interesting to you, you can drill down as deep as you want to go. Cool. Uh, and we'll see if there are like branches of the rabbit hole. So uh, let's see. Born in the Bay Area long, long ago uh, to parents that made, met on Haight-Ashbury. And I was like raised more or less on a commune until I was about eight or nine. Uh, so that's an interesting beginning. And I find that interesting just because it kind of always made me, uh, I, I didn't grow up in the system the way that we kind of think about it. So I was kind of like already out of the matrix at the beginning. And then I like got shoved into it as a young child when I was still very curious. And it always made me kind of like wonder and question what I was seeing and what I was hearing. And I didn't really have, I didn't put much stock in the words of authoritarian, <laughs> of, of, authority, of, of authority in school and things like that. So. Um, there were a lot of things that kind of branched off of that. Um, interestingly, I then kind of the arc of my, my school and professional career went completely the opposite direction that you would think from that beginning. Um, you know, most of my, you know, most of my cohort from Northern Cali back then are, you know, artists, musicians, marijuana farmers, whatever. And, uh, in my case, I went off to went off to college and went to go work for Microsoft and then Morgan Stanley and went to business school at University of Chicago with a bunch of awesome economics fans. Ended up at McKinsey and Company, the management consulting firm, did private equity, went to Google, and finally got into startups back on the West Coast after being out east for about 19 years. I came out here in, uh, in fact, California in uh, 2013, and I've been in startups for the last seven years. So that sets the table for Bitcoin. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I already have to ask you questions because... Go ahead. Yeah, because, okay, so I, I, I definitely want to understand. So like Microsoft to Morgan Stanley. So was it like, uh, because I, I, I'm familiar with both of those companies, the line of work that I'm in works with those companies. So um, yeah. 
probably not in the way that most people think, but <clears throat> like, how so did they was, relate? Was it I, tech? Yeah, so yeah, it's all tech, internet related. So at Microsoft, I was working on an early interactive television product uh, out in New York. And um, it was really just, I, I was in New York and I was seeing all of the, the money sloshing around New York. And I was like, how do these people get this money? Like, I'm not making that money. What is that? How do we, can you go to school for that? And so, yeah, I remember it was like summer of 2000. I learned the term MBA. I was like already done with college and already working. And I, I learned that there was this thing called business school that some people try really hard to get into. And um, so I decided I would probably try to do that. And I figured since I was a broadcast major in undergrad and all liberal arts uh, and working in tech, I should probably learn a little bit of finance before I went off business school. And so I applied to Citibank and Morgan Stanley and got a job with Morgan Stanley in uh, high net worth private client marketing, um, basically just doing all their online, you know, presentations. And basically, they're just trying to sell, you know, crappy mutual funds with big loads to high net worth individuals. And that was together, like video and multimedia presentation and things like that to markets for people. Oh, cool. It wasn't, but, you no, know. No, but it, I mean, it's still, it gives experience. It, it was good experience. Uh, I mean, if you really want to go down the, uh, the foundational story rabbit hole, I was in Tower 2 working on the 64th floor until 9-11. So <laughs> then my building fell down and I decided to not go to school in New York and I went off to Chicago instead. Okay, that, that's definitely, uh, that's, that's pretty scary stuff. That was deep. It's crazy that we're still dealing with it now, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that's... Yeah, it, it is. You know, we're nineteen still, years later. Yeah, nineteen years later, still dealing with the fallout. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how something like that happens, and it really does, you know, touch people from everywhere. Like I'm originally from Montreal, and one of my uh, one of my father's customers, his son, you know, just so happened that you know he called out sick that day. Mm. You know, yeah, and he worked in those buildings, in one of the buildings, so. Yeah, and up in wild. one of those floors. So it just it just so mm -hmm. happened. So yeah, it's, wow. but um, okay. So uh, let's go. You you mentioned Google. Did did you work? So I I also um, and I'm gonna word it the way I feel. But I also unfortunately uh, have you know some loose affiliation with that company. And uh, so did you work for them before they were evil? Uh, <laughs> it was probably. Yeah, I'd say before. It was like in the crossover period. It was just like kind of, they were still deciding whether or not to go more Kylo or a little more Luke. And uh, yeah, they just like, they chose red. I don't know. Yeah. I, I still, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, like Google still does so much good in the world and for the world. Like it is hard to Double say that. But, you know, power does corrupt and capitalism does what capitalism does. And when you've got to keep making your numbers, you start making choices and it's not ever any one person, you know, you can have like a hundred thousand people that do the right thing 98% of the time. But if that 2%, you know, is certain people and those decisions, you know, build on top of each other, all of a sudden you can be doing something totally different than what you uh, supposed you wanted to do. That was their 2011 to 2013. Uh, it was a great experience. I, I basically went there just as a springboard to get out of like private equity and consulting and get into startups. I already knew I wanted to be in startups, but I couldn't get from consulting to the startup world. I needed to like have some tech bona fides and VCs will always uh, take a meeting if you're writing from a google.com 
address. Um, so that's how I met everybody on the West Coast was, was through that. Yeah, you, you definitely make a lot of good hookups through Google. Um, I've met a lot of really interesting people through that company and uh, also Facebook. Uh, Facebook has yeah. some really, really talented, decent people working there. Um, so, so tell me, uh, when uh, at this point now, you said 2011, 2013. So yeah. Bitcoin's already humming along. So It sucks, man. I wish <laughs> I had known. So the, I, I just found out there was uh, there were over more than 100 people in uh, like an internal Google message board specifically talking about Bitcoin in 2011. Um, I was not one of those people. Uh, it, for me, it wasn't until so I have Bitcoin in my in my Gmail account from 2012. Um, don't remember ever seeing it. And then I was at a tech conference after leaving Google and getting the startups. I was at a tech conference January 29th, 2014, and uh, someone was had a blockchain wallet and was you know getting people to sign up for blockchain wallets and giving them 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin. And so that was the first time that I owned some Bitcoin. I proceeded to uh, not read the white paper, not go down the rabbit hole, and lose the private keys. Um, so that sucks. And then it wasn't until uh, three years later, in the price run-up of, uh, of spring 2017, that finally got my attention again. So I jumped in with two feet in uh, May of 17, read Digital Gold, started reading the blogs, listening to podcasts. Uh, it has been probably about 50 hours a week ever since. Uh, it's just this thing that took over my, my life and my brain and, and, uh, I finally, finally over the past year have been able to really start to give back, um, what it's given me, which is pretty cool. Well, let's, uh, let, let's talk about that, right? That's, uh, is, I, I think that we're leading into, uh, into, you know, where you decided to create give Bitcoin. Yeah. Hey, let's, uh, let's dive into that. So, so okay. you said like it, uh, that, you know, you started to give back is that, um, I guess, what's your intention? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just mean like creating something that, that helps Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, the origin story of the product is basically like, yeah, I'd like to go back in time and, and onboard myself better <laughs> better than I did. You know, like the gift might have worked, but most people, it doesn't really work. It doesn't take. Um, so there must be something that you've got to wrap around that. You know, even though it's not perfect, it still is generally outside of spending, you know, few hundred hours with somebody and like <laughs> educating them yourself um you know giving has been one of the things that has gotten a lot of people interested um then the other thing was um you know by that by that fall fall of 2017 i was totally comfortable giving investment advice to friends and family <laughs> and telling them about bitcoin but it still took it took 18 full months before i could get my parents off zero and get them to buy some bitcoin in uh, in march of 2019 um, so kind of like those two things, uh, kind of fed into having the idea for give Bitcoin. Uh, I had been trying to figure out some way to just talk about Bitcoin and just basically sell Bitcoin and make money doing that for almost a year. I started that as my goal for my career at the beginning of September of 2018. And I, I worked on a closed end fund. Uh, with the former Guggenheim Partners manager, like trying to figure out how to like put Bitcoin and some ledger, levered treasuries into a closed-end fund that we could get listed a lot faster than these ETFs. Uh, that looks like it probably will actually happen. The guy's still working on it. But um, I just realized after we kind of got it started that uh, those meetings would all be with like fund managers and, you know, <laughs> institutions in New York. And I don't plan to travel to New York and, and do those sales meetings. So... <laughs> 
I, I started thinking about like what can I do for consumers and you know just just stacking all winter and just kind of like listening to podcasts and starting telegram groups and joining them and you know just fixing it up and trying to be helpful to people um, while continuing to do kind of my traditional like angel investing and advising for non-bitcoin startups and uh yeah it was finally in, it was april 10th of 2019 and i was doing one of my usual like monthly happy hours uh for founders and investors and it was up in san francisco and a couple of uh uh good bitcoiners including a pretty famous one was there and i asked him to uh pitch bitcoin to one of my ceo friends from the valley that's not a bitcoiner and uh this person is so eloquent and has so many arrows in his quiver and is just like amazing and it still doesn't take. And so it was like, so I was like a couple beers deep and then I had another whiskey on the, on the flight back to LA and it just hit me. It was like, it's not fucking possible. This thing that I've been trying to do for the last nine months, trying to get better at pitching Bitcoin, like it's at best hit and miss. And for the most part, clearly could be improved upon. And the idea just kind of came out you know, fully formed. It was basically like give somebody some Bitcoin, but hold on to it, you know, with a third party. They can't touch it. But that's you, the gifter, don't own it anymore. Nobody wants to like still have the private keys. You want to actually give somebody something that they own. Uh, and then while the while it's kind of locked up in that in that um, escrow for that year, uh, you educate them about Bitcoin. And as the giver, you basically can outsource all of that to us. So we handle the escrow and we handle the education and you've got like a pretty darn good shot at red pilling your friend or family or colleague or nephew or whatever it is, even boomers, it's working on boomers too. So I, I think this is absolutely amazing. And I, I just, um, I guess, okay. So I, I'm going to ask this. It's just going to be like as basic as possible. So let's say I, because I, I told my wife about your idea and, and what you're doing. And so she had a couple of questions for me and I guess, so look, let's say I decide I want to do this. Okay. Like, if you could just take me through some, you know, like the basic steps of how I would be able to, you know, give Bitcoin to my wife in this way. All right. So everyone listening to Phil's podcast, <laughs> we're going to get out our laptops or our phones. We're going to go to givebitcoin.io. You're going to think about someone in your life that you love, that you want to share this beautiful orange future with. And you're going to think about their email address and you're going to click give and you're going to enter their name and their email address in a nice little note. What would you say to your wife? Honey, I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love you even more than the honey badger or something like that. You know, something nice. I love yeah. you so much. I'm giving you Bitcoin. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. So now you've got, that's all you need. You don't need the KYC or anything to give. No? Um, yeah. And then the next screen is just going to be log into your uh, bank account with Plaid. So if you're if it's already pre-filled in your browser or whatever, like you're you're funded basically right there. Uh, and that's it. You'll just say done. The gift notification now goes to the recipient. You can schedule it. So if you have like a birthday or Christmas or bar mitzvah coming up, you can have it arrive on a certain day. Um, we built that just in time for Christmas. Which is great. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, and that's it. And then the recipient will get a note in their email that says uh, they have been, you know, given the gift of Bitcoin, the thoughtful gift of better money, as we like to say. Um, and they click accept. The recipient is actually opening a little account 
uh, essentially at Prime Trust, which is a big custodian that's uh, used by Binance, Bittrex, Wobi, OKX, a bunch of funds and companies. We just use the same as, as all those guys. It's fireblocks on the back end, about as good as you can get for, uh, for security. Um, and uh, so they just they do have to KYC. It sucks, but that's the world that we live in. If you want to use this escrow function and you want to accept you know, Bitcoin for any service or accept money for Bitcoin for in any way, like, you know, you, you do have to KYC. Um, so they upload a, a license and uh, put in their address. And, and then uh, then the only at that point is your bank account actually charged, which is actually a huge deal, because this means that I can go to like CES, for instance, like if I was in Vegas um, this week and uh, meeting a bunch of randoms, I could be giving Bitcoin away like willy nilly and know that only those people that are going to be bludgeoned with awesome education from like safety and Stefan and Matt O'Dell and all these awesome Bitcoiners over the next 12 months, only those people is my bank account going to get hit. So I've done this, like I've tested it. Like I, I, I was at a holiday party for um, Raycroft, which is like uh, Alan Patrickoff's venture fund out of New York and LA. And, you know, hundreds of people there. I probably gave like 30 people Bitcoin. And some of those came with like longer conversations and some of them didn't. And, you know, about 10 people actually accepted the gift. And now we kind of like have a little, you know, a little connection. They got some Bitcoin from me and, uh, and the other ones, it didn't cost me anything. That's actually amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a nice feature. People undersell that, but it makes the friction of like your decision to start that gifting process is just gone. Unlike, you know, I'm stingy. If I was like, and I like load up, you know, a USB key with some Bitcoin, like who I'm giving that to, the bar is high. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I, um, you know what? Uh, I don't know if you've ever had this conversation, but you know, like, would you, would you tell somebody you hate about Bitcoin? Like somebody who you just, if you actually, you know, like there's some people who just don't hate anybody, but like, you know, like for the, the reality is most people, you know, like it's, you know, most of us are not emotionally intelligent enough to get to that point and, you know, we'll feel whatever feelings of resentment. Yeah, you just tell Would them you? that it's for terrorists and child pornographers. <laughs> That's it. Just tell them that. But think about it. Like, would you? I mean, I've thought about it and it's like, you know what? No. I don't tell, I don't tell them to, about Bitcoin. Why are you talking to people that you hate, man? Well, like, you, you, sometimes it happens at work. Bitcoiners. <laughs> it just, it happens. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't just, you know, always just meet everybody you like, you know, sometimes it happens. <laughs> and That's then, the, and then somebody will come and talk to you about Bitcoin. And then all of a sudden, you know, now, now they're asking you and you don't necessarily like them and you don't want them hodling. <laughs> so... I know it sounds ridiculous, but Bitcoin is, for, Bitcoin is for enemies. We know this. And you know what? I love that quote. Someone who is basically like irredeemable in every other way. If they want to be a long term hodler of Bitcoin, they're doing one of the best things that they could possibly do for you and the planet. It, it's funny that some shit coiners have managed to convince themselves otherwise and no coiners. But it, it really when what people don't realize is, is that when your base of money is higher quality, um, everything that stems from it is also higher quality. So I, I think that, that people don't get that yet. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Cool. <laughs> that was like the TLDR of the middle chapters of the Bitcoin standard. 
I actually, you know what? I'm, I, I still, I'm like halfway through it. It's terrible. I, I've only books, man. Just, just listen to it if you can't read it. Yeah, I, I, I plan to. I, I actually just live off of Audible now. Um, I, I don't know how, I, I don't know how much you use Audible, but for me, especially when it comes to Bitcoin sitting in traffic, it's like I may as well yeah. be getting educated. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. So, uh, on that note, I feel like we should, you know, at least acknowledge what you have in your hand there and uh, give a shout out to Matt and Marty for starting this. You know Bitcoin what? Tradition. You're absolutely right. I've never I've never actually drank or cheered on a podcast, so this is the first time. So, yes. tales from the crypt. You know, what is, for... that's a TFTC boys. We love you. That's a Glenfiddy 14-year. Good for you. Yep. I have, uh, what do you something. got? This is from my friend uh, Suntory Whiskey Moto. <laughs> I like that. Little Suntory. I, I drew a number 21 out of 21 out there, but it's it's not actually a small batch whiskey. But it is really good. Go that, Japan. That's Thank all that matters. Whiskey. Cheers. Cheers. My uh, <clears throat> yeah, my wife actually saw. Uh, picture of this shelf that i put on twitter it has all my bitcoin books and my whiskey and she was puzzled as to why the whiskey wasn't full she was like who are you drinking with i'm like babe i'm sorry i'm drinking with my friends like we're not in the same room but that's just what we do on these podcasts so i have to admit i've, I've never done that before um but you inspired me so thank you very much uh, thanks matt and marty and uh, just let's make sure that always continues. It's great. So, you know what? Talking about Matt and Marty, um, definitely one of the first podcasts I started listening to, podcast I still listen to. Um, yeah. I, I interviewed Matt. I, I He is absolutely one of the coolest Bitcoiners I know, just one of the chillest. So my, my, uh, my question to you is, um, I guess, what was some of the first material like? I, like I, I could tell you right now, I've got two things, right? I've got the Naval interview with Nick Zabo, and and I've got Andreas Antonopoulos, uh, 50, 50 currencies that are worth less than goat shit, okay? And then I've got all TFTC podcasts. Like, for me, like, that was all of my starting point, and then from that I branched into Noted. So my question to you is, what was some of your, like, original material that totally got you to stick with Bitcoin and say, you know what, this is, I get this? Well, I mean, I, I really do have to, uh, I have to credit the guy that forced me to read Digital Gold before anything else. Um, it's an old book, it's 2014, it's pretty dated at this point, but um, it was just, it was such a well-written book i think i've read it three times over the years and it's just like you know it was a nice a nice way in when i uh recommend things to people you know if they're kind of like professional class or you know whatever it's usually vj's article bullish case for bitcoin mm -hmm. um yeah. for a long time it was uh that tim ferris naval nick sabo um but it's two and a half hours 224 or something it's tough uh, I've, I've sent a lot of people to just stefan's only uh solo dolo episode episode 71 where he just kind of runs through like austrian economic thought and bitcoin um but even that's kind of for people that are a little bit more like bitcoin finance kind of up for that i think uh yeah as far as like the podcast that i 
probably binge listened to first. It was definitely TFTC and just going back, you know, way back into the catalog. Uh, and then it was Stefan after that, because Stefan came out last summer, I think, summer of 18, I should say. So more than a year and a half now. Um, and I listened to every single one of his up through about 80 or 90. And then I got super busy with this. And I, I just listen to select ones now. Um, so I think that's been great. So it's no, no surprise at all uh, that I think Matt was probably the third or fourth person that I talked to about this project. Uh, and then I forced BJ to introduce me to Stefan um, so that I could talk to him and rope him into this as well. So that worked out. And I'll tell you this, okay, like at least from, from my perspective, and I would say a lot of, I don't want to speak out of turn for the you know, taco carnivore Bitcoin plebes, but I, I, I would say that, uh, and shout out to them, of course. Um, but Stefan is like, you know, like a Bitcoiner's Bitcoiner. So for him to endorse it, I, to me anyways, that's, that's huge, you know? So kudos to you. Kudos yeah, to you and kudos you. to, yeah, to putting together this idea creatively like this. I mean, th- this is, this is how ingenuity works. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. People argue sometimes. Uh, I had this discussion actually with uh, with 6102, who's one of the most brilliant people in Bitcoin. If you're not following 6102 and checking out Bitcoin Intro and Bitcoin Only, um, shout amazing. out to him. Yeah, really good stuff. But uh, we had a back and forth on Telegram uh, over the weekend, um, basically just saying, by the way, it might be a she, I don't know. So anyway. 6102 person uh, basically saying like, you know, Bitcoin is like air, Bitcoin sells itself. And I'm like, I just don't think so. I think like, you know, you can absolutely market Bitcoin better and sell Bitcoin better. And not only that, that's literally what you spend your entire day on all the time. Like, that's what you're doing. Like, you might call it education, but education is marketing. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of just educating about Bitcoin. And if you can educate somebody, yes, of course, then it sells itself. They have to know about it. Um, so we're like, a, yeah, I mean, we're an education first company. Um, we did put out a, a press release on the Monday before Christmas. So if it hasn't been on a podcast yet, uh, I might as well tell you. Uh, Jan Pritzker has joined us as a CTO and co-founder. Um, That's amazing. So amazing for us. I mean, he's like a 20-year Silicon Valley tech leader. He just... Uh, company co-founded reverb just sold to etsy for like 275 mil last year like just a killer talent and you know in my view i think uh you know from a standing start i think inventing bitcoin is actually the best one um because it's like a two-hour read it's 100 pages uh you know like that's the book that like dan tapiero took 20 copies with when he went through a tour of asia and just leaving that on everybody's desks um so you know, I, I just think the combination of his tech skills and know-how and that he is an educator and, like, goes to high schools and talks about Bitcoin and, like, can't stop talking about Bitcoin and, in fact, quit that company a year before the exit because he couldn't stop talking about Bitcoin. <laughs> like, that's the perfect person to be doing this with. So, uh, oh, yeah. I'm on board. And then the, uh, <clears throat> the other big announcement is um, uh, Brady from Citizen Bitcoin has joined us as head of marketing. Oh my gosh, that is awesome. Yeah. So, That's really cool. So just, just ramping up and uh, and getting moving and raising more money now. We just raised a little bit in Q3 and now we're doing like a profit seed around a couple mil. 
and um, yeah, it's good. That is amazing. I actually, um, I, I met uh, Citizen Bitcoin, well, Brady, um, at uh, in uh, one of the Discord channels for Bitcoin and Markets. I don't know if you ever listened to that podcast from Ansel Lindner. Uh, shout out yeah. to Ansel because Ansel has been in the game for very long and has been given giving solid information from the start. I mean, if there's anybody that is, you know, true signal, Ansel is a signal yeah. guy. So it was it was really cool. And a whole bunch of us podcasters got together nice. and, and I got to meet Brady. So, That's yeah, awesome. yeah, I have a cool uh, I haven't met him in person yet, of course. But uh, yeah, man, he's uh, he's he's definitely uh, one of my favorite people in Bitcoin. So. So I went to Mizzou for undergrad, and uh, and Brady lives in Lawrence, Kansas. So uh, it's it's a little hard to to deal with the Jayhawk talk sometimes. But uh, we're actually because Bitcoin 2020 is uh, during March Madness this year. Um, we're planning to do like a ballers in Bitcoin uh, kind of show live from the rooftop there uh, with us. Jack Maulers, I guess, is a, a huge dookie. Um, so we're going to kind of find a Bitcoiner from each of kind of the big basketball schools and just uh, duel it out over Bitcoin and basketball. You know what? I'm actually, you're talking about the San Francisco conference? Yeah. I will be there. I will see you there. I've friend. got my ticket, man. I am super excited. I missed last year's. I, I went to the MIT Bitcoin Expo. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I, you know, it's like I picked my poison. And this year I'm like, no, you know what? I'm doing San Fran. Awesome. So I'm super yeah, excited to meet you. Yeah, it, it was insanely fun last year. I hope it's timed for a crazy pump like it was in uh, in June of 19. I mean, it was literally the first night of the conference that it went to 13.8. Yeah. It was so silly. There were so many just like drunk Bitcoiners chanting in the street. I was like both proud and embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's been, that, that's funny. Proud and embarrassed. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Listen, man, it's it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a two sided coin literally for another couple cycles. You know like we're all pretty annoying at this point when we're like the you know point one percent of humans on the globe with a hundred dollars or more of Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's okay. Why we have to talk to each other because we just annoy everybody else. You know what it's funny that you say that, right? Because like at this point I, you know what, I was thinking about this. I, I've probably forgotten more rebuttals than I know. You know, like in terms of like arguing, like why Bitcoin over gold? Why Bitcoin over shit coins? You know, why Bitcoin over no coining? Like, it's like at this point, I think I've forgotten all the rebuttals. And it's like people start to argue with you. And it's like, you know what? Just if you're not going to read up on it, I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm done. But I know that that's the wrong attitude. <clears throat> yeah, I mean... I have to talk about it because we don't we don't raise money only from Bitcoiners. We also raise money from like normal VCs and angels as well. So I do kind of have to like actually pitch Bitcoin sometimes. But I also kind of ask them to read our long appendix, which is uh, it's three separate appendices that are like my favorite Bitcoin slides from Jan, from uh, CoinShares and from Fundstrat. And by the time they get through like, you know, 50 slides of, of Bitcoin, you know, then I'm like, okay, now we can talk about my company. <laughs> but uh, we put that out on Twitter. I think it's from the Save Bitcoin handle, which we haven't talked about, by the way. We have another product coming out this quarter. Yeah. Um, and this is, I think it was probably 
I, I've been trying to recruit Jan for a long time. He's always been involved as an advisor since the summer, but I've been, you know, thinking that he ought to be on the team properly for a while. And I think it was when we decided to break out, save Bitcoin and have a, uh, a recurring purchase, you know, dollar cost average, uh, separate platform outside of Give Bitcoin that got him really excited about making this company the Bitcoin on-ramp. Um, so we're going through a rebrand right now. We're uh, actually going to be uh, Swan Bitcoin, S-W-A-N. And we have two products, Give Bitcoin and Save Bitcoin. Cool. Okay, we're gonna put uh, we're gonna put links to that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now, Swan Bitcoin just redirects to Give Bitcoin and Save Bitcoin doesn't exist, but it will soon. And uh, I think it's going to be really powerful. I think um, having something that's just like uniquely focused on the user experience of coming to Bitcoin and buying some Bitcoin and not having that buried in an exchange or a payments app and just being like super focused on that user acquisition funnel and that user experience. Um, we think there's a lot of upside for just being a Bitcoin only on ramp. That that's okay. So you know what? You mentioned something very interesting, right? Being a Bitcoin only on ramp. Um, why did you choose to be Bitcoin only? You know, like, I obviously totally well, agree. You were gonna, I mean, I was going to let you buy Zimbabwean dollars and Bitcoin, but there just wasn't that much demand for the Zimbabwean dollars. And then somebody suggested uh, Bolivares, I think. And then some other people suggested like uh, Ripple and Tron. And I was like, I'm not going to do Bolivares, Ripple or Tron. Like, you know, I'd rather have the Zimbabwean dollars. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I, I think the, uh, oh, that's the great. answer, like, listen, I try not to be that much of a dick about it. And here's why. I think that all humans will be Bitcoiners yep. in the not too future. And what, um, <clears throat> what people are going to remember is not whether you were right. They're going to remember whether you were an asshole. Um, so I think it's basically like, you know, just be nice to people. You can be mean to people that actually wish you ill or that are trying to do like affinity marketing scams. And then it's knives out and that's fine. And like, that's why Nakamoto weekend was so fun. Uh, you know, like I worked all weekend. I don't know about you. Oh man. You know what? That was so, I, you know what? I like, okay, it's going to be a terrible humble brag and whatever, but um, uh, Nathaniel Whitmore, the, the guy that does yeah. the long reads, he actually, yeah. he, he took, uh, he quoted my meme, which is huge because I'm so not a mimetic artist in any way, shape or form. I was just like, Oh my God. I'm like, this is it. I, I did the, uh, you know, it's the Trojan horse in front of the castle. That was great. That was beautiful. I, I, I was shocked. And, and it, it like, he chose it. So to your point, yeah, man, that was a great weekend, but okay. So let's talk yeah. about that because in the taco carnivore Bitcoin plebes group, um, one of the gentlemen there mentioned back that, uh, he was slightly disappointed by our performance by, by the performance this weekend, even though, you know, it held up pretty well. I don't know if you saw, um, you know, Martin's responses back, but uh, he, I mean, he, he brings up some good points, you know, about how, like, you know, we should argue with each other in our own echo chamber. But uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed, you know, going back to this Nakamoto.com thing. I, I really enjoyed I exposing this absolute shit coinery, you know, in Bitcoin clothing, because that is exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Here's here's the interesting thing. Uh, if you listen to Balaji on, I know he's gonna he's gonna sit with uh, McCormick again, but he did one like maybe three months ago. I don't think he knows 
I think that he was like so much the Bitcoin guy in Silicon Valley in like 2013, 2014, when he was working on 21E6, that it's almost like his shit don't stink and he can't imagine that people would think that he wasn't pro Bitcoin. And uh, it, it's just hard. Like, so it, he's moved to Austin recently and this is on the heels of the announcement like a month or two ago about that new startup that he's funding and involved with, with the seasteading guys, that's going to basically treat cities as a product and create new cities or get involved with like local government and try to try like, you know, basically create new governance models and new business friendly, you know, economic zones and things like that. Like that kind of stuff is awesome. Sure. And so he, he's now moved to Austin and I guess he's been trying to, you know, like reconnect or connect for the first time with a lot of the Bitcoiners down there and like trying to listen sometimes at barbecues and things like that. Uh, and supposedly Nakamoto com, Nakamoto con or not Komodo or whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be like stage one in, in kind of like, you know, crypto buying these, these cities or something like that. Um, <clears throat> And I just think he has like, he's totally tone deaf and in his, the way he marketed the thing, it had outright, you know, falsehoods in the marketing, like saying that every contributor was pro Bitcoin when it has Roger Ver and Vitalik and Zuko and all these people. And, and then kind of like an unwillingness to listen or change on the fly as an example. So uh, the right way to do it is like Wences. Wences was on the wrong side of UISF, right? Mm -hmm. But man, he was contrite and he, you know, said, I got this wrong. I saw it, I saw it differently. I thought I was doing like the right thing for Bitcoin. Like I see it now. Does anybody dislike Wences? I love that dude. Absolutely. Right? And like so if you show some contrition and you actually show that you can listen to people, I went through it over Christmas, by the way. Um, because we've I, I always loved the word um, I always loved the word time lock because the word time lock, you know, it means like something is locked for a period of time. Yeah. And you know, our, our, uh, one of our taglines, you know, since the beginning was always like give plus time lock plus educate. I said that, you know, from the stage at Bitcoin 2019 and, uh, as we actually like launched and it kind of went wider, you know, obviously some people noted like, Hey, you know, like time lock is like a thing in Bitcoin. And it's like, you know, you can have an on-chain time lock and that's confusing. Like, another coinbase that's jacking a bitcoin term to use for their own purposes and i was like but it also means this other thing and they're like yeah it's just confusing and we don't want to like you know scam people you know, like the more i thought about it i was like yes i'm kind of married to this but i also like it's also not worth it and so we just brainstormed on twitter and a bunch of people jo joined in and like we tried like 15 other things that we could call it and we just decided to call it escrow like who cares? Yeah. You know, it's, it's not worth confusing people. It's not worth pissing people off. Like do right by Bitcoin and Bitcoiners as much as you possibly can. And all is right with the world. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love your mantra that that is amazing. And I love that you're a Bitcoin only company. You know, it makes me yeah. happy. definitely. I, I, well, I, the, the other way I often answer that is, you know, I was like, well, we think that people actually like their friends and family. <laughs> they're like why do you only let them give bitcoin i'm like well don't you do you like them or don't you like, if you like them why would you give them something else yeah why would you shitcoin them you know like why would you do that to them here 
keep experiencing loss. Let me give you loss, the gift of loss. <laughs> it's, that's not a gift. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, that that is definitely uh, yeah, definitely funny stuff. So uh, yeah, so you enjoyed Nakamoto.com uh, weekend? I, I definitely did as well. Yeah, it was you good know, times. I don't, I, don't, I don't wish them. I don't wish them ill. I wish them truth. Like I just want them to change the marketing page. I don't care. It's fine to have a crypto blog. It's all good. And you know what? If the marketing was honest, I'd have absolutely no problem with Tour or, you know, Lop or any of these people actually contributing to it. That's fine. If there are eyeballs and they're going to be talking about cryptocurrency, then I want Bitcoiners to be there. Did um, did you go to the Telegram group? Oh, sorry. Go. Uh, so that's what I said when it first came out. After 48 hours of watching the the way that Balaji does not take feedback and like is incapable of like changing his plan. Uh, and then also watching it roll out, obviously like with Vitalik and Zuko as the admins, uh, along with the community manager from Ethereum foundation, <laughs> plus Balaji and Joe McCann. So there's, there's five moderators. Joe's a trader and, you know, runs like a paid trading group and works on Microsoft and stuff like that. He's an okay guy. It's fine. He's like tech friends with, uh, with Balaji. He's one of the founders of node source. Mm-hmm. or node.js so like he's he's no dummy and like whatever he gets a pass for me because doesn't he doesn't care he's a traitor um but uh yeah the other guys like that's no that's no cohort to be moderating as opposed to the pro bitcoin telegram group so yeah so yeah once i actually saw like what the intent was and that it wasn't just about like a, a mistake in the copy and like the whole intent of this thing is to put out a bunch of stuff by like brian armstrong and stuff like well no now i kind of think that bitcoiners should always shun it yeah yeah i, d- I definitely agree i mean that that is just uh it, it was it was a huge disappointment and it was it was really nice to see you know tur you know pull out of it and from what i understood some of these contributors were not entirely told the whole story when they originally signed up yeah, from what from well, what i understood yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in contact with all of these people one on one, including oh, Balaji. Okay, so that's why I know so much about it. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm like, your knowledge about it's incredible. I'm like, I, I read through tons of stuff. I didn't get any of this. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I think uh, you know, like Jameson was okay with uh, the fact that people had to agree to a statement that said, "I am pro Bitcoin." in parentheses BTC and like that was enough for him because he just thought it was kind of funny that Vitalik and Roger had to sign that you know or had to agree to that term so for him that was like funny enough that they like had to come under the Bitcoin flag and they're actually publishing under a Bitcoin flag I kind of get that I mean Jameson to me like he can run Grant and he can say that and I almost don't give a shit because he's such a badass like he's he's proven himself more than enough oh Um, yeah I, on the other hand, had I been an original contributor, I would have had to uh, unsign up within an hour of launch because I don't have any sort of credibility or history of like real contributions to Bitcoin. Well, well, hold on a second. Give Bitcoin, you know what? It's going to be interesting in 10 years from now, my friend. You'll see. I hope, I hope it's interesting more so- sooner than that. Oh, oh no, of course, say, of course. By the way, so we did have an awesome holiday season. So thank you to everybody out there that tried us out. Uh, we we had a goal that we had set for like number of gifts and the amount of money we hoped would be gifted over the 
the holiday season and did uh, uh, 2.2x, 120% better than our goals on the uh, on the number of gifts and uh, about 90% better on revenue than we had planned. So off to a really good start. It's uh, it's made fundraising so far over the the first week of uh, of January go really easy. So thanks for the numbers, Bitcoin. That's absolutely amazing. Seriously. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can, uh, we can grow a little bit and hire some more Bitcoiners. So um, besides, okay. So you were mentioning you're going to have give Bitcoin, save Bitcoin. You were mentioning, yeah. okay. You were mentioning Swan Bitcoin. So, okay. So Swan is Swan is the company. Yeah. And Swan has two products. Uh, give, means give and save. Buy Bitcoin for somebody else. Save means I'm going to buy Bitcoin for myself. That's it. There's only two people you can buy Bitcoin for yourself or somebody else. Me and and you. So I think everything just is bucketed under those two. Um, and we just like the name Swan. You got to have a name. And, uh, you know, we I'm a huge Taleb guy. I've been reading them since 2002. Um, really like governed a lot of my career choices and kind of like the way I think about life as a call option and all these different things. And um, so I'm partial to that. The logo is definitely a black swan. And then uh, we also think that, you know, Bitcoin in its first decade has been a little bit of an ugly duckling. And, uh, you know, with the help of Bitcoiners like your listeners and companies like ours, we, uh, we believe that Bitcoin is increasingly becoming a beautiful swan. I agree. And I'm also a huge Taleb fan. Um, I, uh, I recently got the, uh, you know, the five book uh, inserto. Yes, that's right. Let's see that. I, I thought I saw it behind you there. You've got, There's some books there. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got I've read Anti Fragile nine times. How amazing my, is that book? It's the best, and I've probably listened to it another three. Yeah, uh, but I got all of them, man. You know, I, I even I've reread the freaking Maxims book, Bed of Procrustes, like six times. That's probably got to be a record, right? Oh my gosh, that's like him at his most pontificating, and I just eat it up, and I have it all marked up and starred and checkmarked and noted and all this stuff. It's so funny. It's fantastic. Okay, so you bookmark you bookmark all your stuff. Also, I uh, I usually bookmark it all, and then I'll go back and then write down what he said, just so mm -hmm. that I can remember it because usually I can. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, no, Taleb Taleb is interesting in, in in terms of Bitcoin, right? Because you know he describes like in terms of Black Swan, right? He describes like all these Black Black Swan events, and I got to be honest, only once I listened to Taleb did I. Did I really understand that Bitcoin is fiat's black swan? Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, it's a black swan to so many different things. But True. it's it's definitely the biggest black swan that's happened in our lives. Oh yeah, like there's nothing that's come out of left field like that. I mean, the internet was like a slow progression, and it's uh, <clears throat> it was there for people to see um all along and like i think it was it was just kind of like slowly progressing more and more and more so like you know maybe it was i think somebody called it a black elephant it was like somebody like you're not talking about it but it's clear that you know that thing is there you know we're kind of aware of the internet it just became bigger and bigger over time like until you're aware of bitcoin like you're just not aware of it at all that's true that that's absolutely true um i mean I how many people like really were paying attention to you know digital cash you know it had like a it had like its own little bubble of like 
hundreds or maybe a few thousand people working on it in the 90s and then everybody kind of gave up and you know it was pretty dormant it's in the thousands until this it's money for nerds you know what I mean? I mean, like, no joke. I mean, I, I kid you not, even me as a nerd, like, I, I remember I remember hanging out with my buddy that reprogrammed satellite dishes, you know, and, and, and hacked dishes for fun. And I remember him telling me about this digital currency, you know, and I was just sitting there and I'm like, who cares? <laughs> Nobody's going to use this. I'm like, it's just going to be a couple of people that are just going to use it. And then, you know, it disappears. And I'm thinking Chuck E. Cheese and I'm thinking all these tokens. So just like everybody else, like the cliches, you know? Yeah. We're so stupid till we're not. <laughs> yeah, it, it is just, uh, it's the most fascinating, eye-opening, world-expanding, potentially world-saving. I'm sure you've had people talk about uh, Peter Thiel's quadrant on your show, or maybe not. All right, I, I, I love this one. And I know nothing it about it, yeah. Um, but basically, it's just that you can uh, you can either be optimistic or pessimistic as a, as a person or a society. And then you can be, uh, basically like deterministic or like whatever the opposite of that is indeterminate or something like that. And basically, you know, if you look at like kind of different cultures and he, he kind of talks about this in the book zero to one about how different cultures are kind of like indefinitely optimistic. Oh, it's definite and indefinite pessimist and optimist. And so like the Chinese as a culture are definitely pessimistic which means that they ha have a sense of where they're going and like a plan and like a pessimistic worldview. And Americans have been for centuries now, not centuries, but like for the last century and increasingly so since 1913, 1933 and 1971 in stages, uh, indefinitely optimistic and maybe bordering toward like and basically Bitcoin, anyone that gets infected by Bitcoin, what it does is it makes you definitely optimistic. You're actually moving toward an optimistic goal and you can define it definitely. You can define what that goal is. And if you reach that goal, the world is better. And so it's just given so many people that get infected with Bitcoin in the best way possible, uh, you know, something to work for, like some real purpose. And that's why I think you see so many people like comparing it to religion and it's an apt comparison because, you know, there's not been anything other than devotion to your, you know, friends and family or, you know, trying to do good for the world or whatever and finding purpose in some of those things. Um, you know, there hasn't been anything that we could really work on that was definitely good for the world, but it's definitely good to take away the power of printing money away from central banks. That's definitely good. And it just has so many spillover effects, you know, what we're seeing and, you know, around the world with violence and all these things that we, you know, from wars to, you know, regulations that have just been passed and announced today in New York, even more, uh, you know, a, a, that are counter cryptocurrency, like mm -hmm. just defunding all of that crap and making the government come and have to ask us for the money again, instead of just printing it. That's right. It's going to be great. I completely agree. I mean, it's 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 really um, the taking away the money printing capability from from the government. Uh, you know, the same way I, I forget who it was that mentioned this. You know, uh, separating church and state. It's the same type of thing with separating the money, right? Um, they, they've obviously proven that they're incompetent, and it doesn't matter which government you talk about. When it comes to this, 
You know, it, it just, they're completely incompetent and they're going to do whatever serves them best. And I, I want to go back to what you're talking about with, you know, uh, Bitcoin makes you, you know, definitely optimistic. It absolutely does. And I, I have to say that before I got into Bitcoin, I had a definitely pessimistic view. Um, and when I really, and I'm talking about after my shitcoining and all that crap, when I really got into Bitcoin, that's when I became definitely optimistic because I understood that it was going to incentivize positively. And when I say positively, I'm talking about incentivizing low, uh, low time preference ideas. You know, like part of the, you know, if we take a look around at everything and I know we, we've, you know, we, we all know this, right? It's like, if the money is cheap, then everything that comes from it is cheap. You know what I mean? Like if your base is crap, then everything that comes from it is going to be crap. So by making by making Bitcoin our base, everything that comes from it is strong, or at least everything that comes from it, I believe, should come from a place of quality. So it goes back to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was probably uh, indefinitely optimistic. Even before? Indefinitely. Oh, indefinitely. Okay, it's kind of like just like you know wishy washy view that things are like probably going to get better over time. You know, plastic left coast. You know, uh, tech guy, and uh, and just being disappointed by, you know, like wait, why isn't it getting better? Like this, this doesn't seem real. Like there's no, there's no foundation. You know, I think uh, my my professional career has been a story of just uh, having foundations. You know that I thought were maybe solid, just being clearly exposed as BS. You know, I, I was in tech and saw that bubble burst from front row seat uh, at the turn of the millennium. And then uh, I tried to get into like regular non-internet industry by working for places like McKinsey and going into private equity. And that clearly was complete BS. <laughs> and so now what are we in? Now we just realize like the entire system like it's it's not it's not tech, it's not the whole like business and real estate world. Like now it's the entire system is the bubble. Uh, so the bubbles just keep getting bigger, and this one may last longer. I like I don't know. I don't know how long. One thing is they are actually incredibly competent if you think about it. They've been able to keep this bull market going for the longest run in history. That is a good point. <laughs> If their goal is to enrich people who have assets and make their assets worth more at the expense of people who don't have assets, they're doing an incredible job at that. Their goal is to continue to consolidate more and more and more and more power with governments. They're doing an incredible job at that. They're super competent at that. This is true. Um, their goals are just counter to the people. Uh, I, I am interested to see like when the left actually understands how good Bitcoin is for the left. <laughs> you know if your goal like you're not going to get socialism but it's going to be better for the people and it's going to it's going to be interesting when uh when people start to figure that out uh i don't know what alex gladstein's politics are but working for a human rights foundation and some of the things that he's talked about like you know i, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a d on a card there um, I, I bet there are probably some some closet liberals in bitcoin that uh that uh, I think we need to somehow figure out a, uh, a way to make Bitcoin really appeal to people across the spectrum. The 
so when we take a look at like it's interesting that you say that and i know this is going to sound totally out of you know out of left field but if we take a look at the movies and the things that resonate with people um common themes there's common themes that resonate with all human beings if we can if we can make the bitcoin narrative resonate with people at a core level um that's that's the key you know what i mean like when you take a look at things that are extremely successful in piercing ideas you know why are they successful for piercing those ideas they're, they're successful because they appeal to us in, in a in a common archetypical way you know it, it it appeals to everyone dogs daughters death and dollars I love it. Yeah, it was like you know you got you got like the kids and you it's got your true. pets, you got fear and you've got greed and and I like alliteration. So there you go, dogs, daughters, death, and dollars. That's what we need for Bitcoin. The four Ds. Yeah, the four Ds of Bitcoin. So all the ads should have like dogs, daughters, you know, death, and, and you know just fear of some sort. Uh, it is interesting. I, I was just like flipping through Twitter today and. Uh, there's a, a couple of gold companies advertising heavily against all Iran news. Really? Makes sense. You know, you're like, world's going to hell in a handbasket. Better get some gold. That's true. And supposedly, uh, supposedly, what was it? Like a couple of days ago, we had uh, Bitcoin trading on. And again, I don't have this necessarily from a credible source, but I was told that. It was trading on uh, local bitcoins in Iran for like 30k, a little bit higher than 30k. Not true. Not true, huh? Not true. Yeah, there's, there's two exchange rates there. There's the government official exchange rate that made it look like it was trading for like 30k. Ah. Yeah. The, uh, there's the street price of I think it's reals, the Iranian currency. So the street price made Bitcoin like 74, 7,500. Okay, so the street price was closer to our price, in other words. It's the same, exactly. The same, yeah. okay, okay. So that... I, I appreciate you explaining that because that's something I, I wasn't sure of and I was like, really? Okay. Yeah. Same thing goes on in Venezuela. Like the government rate is like 10 bolivares per dollar, but I think it's 115,000 for the street rate. Oh, wow. That's how that's how the army is. Uh, so the army in Venezuela has an exclusive distribution uh, contract for food, and they get to buy the food for ten bolivares per dollar, and then they sell it with in a market that's one hundred and fifteen thousand bolivares per dollar. That's why the military has so much money there. That that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't sound right. It's not very nice if you think about it. That sounds horrible. It's okay though. They raised the minimum wage, so now oh. you can get two loaves of bread and three waters for uh, one third of your monthly salary. All I'm hearing is that I should join the military there, because apparently they're the ones with the money. <laughs> so... Well, they definitely have the food. <laughs> they definitely have the food. <laughs> yeah, they're the exclusive distributors of food in Venezuela. I did not know that. Yeah. So good idea. Join the military. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> I'm not a military guy. Uh, I, I so don't. Yeah, I, I don't believe in that stuff. But uh, you look like you could play like the radio operator, like the David Cross character, though. Like, <laughs> you know, in a Michael Bay film. You know, some, I appreciate some, that. Definitely throw in some punchlines. Like that came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh gosh. Right. Okay, so should, uh, let's do like maybe like five more minutes. Your uh, last press questions. 
if you have any. I, I was just gonna I was just gonna say like I, I totally appreciate you coming on. I I just wanted to find out like what what were you you know if you have anything you want to leave with the uh, the fun with Bitcoin podcast listeners any any last thoughts? Um, listen, I just I I feel uh, I feel really privileged to uh, to be alive when this community exists and at this moment in time. So I just think it's 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 special to have people giving uh, this much of their time and this much of their passion to any cause, and that it's a cause that it's that's like this meaningful and also just like this potentially enriching for the people that are you know stacking as we go. Uh, I, I just, I am definitely optimistic about us all hanging out and drinking whiskey in like 2025, 2030, 2035, you know, second and third generation Bitcoiners. Like, you know, I, th I think this is, uh, what is it? If, if millennials were like 82 to 2000 and Gen Z is like 2000 to 2018, like this is clearly generation B that just started getting born. My second daughter was born in March of 2018. I think she's one of the very first members of Generation Bitcoin. Hey, congrats. Um, thanks, man. Um, so yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm excited to be here at this moment in time, um, you know, building a company that's specifically focused on adoption. Um, you know, we basically, in our deck for, for these VCs, we say, uh, you know, we're, we're taking people from a standing start and turning them into Bitcoiners and then uh, turning their fiat into, into BTC. <laughs> and that's our mission. That's my goal. And it's what I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I finally have like a vehicle and a team to go do it. And that team is really, really strong. It's the kind of team that can, uh, you know, with no leader and no money emerge totally victorious on the plains of battle on, uh, on Nakamoto weekend, which was like, you know, just a, a, a sniff of what it was like in 2017, which is a battle I did not participate in, but, uh, you know, is already legend when you go back and read people and what they were writing about, you know, contemporaneously. And things like that will come up again. There's going to be another one, another one after that. And I think just being, uh, being battle tested and having the channels with which we can, you know, coordinate and fight it out amongst ourselves like, uh, like Martin wants to, uh, you know, so that we get sharper. Like it's it's good to test and sharpen your knives internally. Uh, it makes your enemies cower when you uh, when you unify and unite when you have to. I, I totally agree and beautifully said. Me and my brother and my cousin against our neighbor. <laughs> me and our neighbors against the next village, and uh, we just keep on expanding out. And I think we are uh, a worldwide nation of Bitcoiners, and the uh, the other nations with borders and boundaries had better beware very well said very well said so i'm gonna post um well actually um what's the uh, the best way for people to reach you uh so givebitcoin.io is the website uh swanbitcoin.com let's redirect to that i'm Corey clipston on twitter uh and we're just we're active give underscore bitcoin save underscore bitcoin uh we're everywhere follow brady follow jan follow me all right. Very cool. We're going to put that in the show notes. Corey, thank you again very much for coming on my show. I really oh, appreciate it, man. This is amazing. Yeah. Cheers. Bro. Cheers. We'll talk soon. Hope everybody enjoyed that uh, conversation with Corey. I had an absolute wild time. Um, anyways, all the details will be in the show notes. 
Uh, his contact information, of course, will also be in the show notes. And of course, if you want to reach me on Telegram or Twitter, I'm at Coin Icarus. If you want to catch me, you know, shoot me an email, I'm Coin Icarus at funwithbitcoin.com. And if you want to check out all things fun with Bitcoin, uh, just head over to funwithbitcoin.com. And if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to uh, moetarags.com and then go to all clothing and fun with Bitcoin podcast. And you can check out our merch. Catch you all next time. Thanks for listening.